Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck and I'm your host and your name is Listener and that's what you do. You listen. Um, Kobe Bryant died today. I'm recording this today, Sunday, before this is released on Tuesday and um, it's totally awful. And I felt compelled to open with that. And I don't have anything funny or slightly um, irreverent to say other than it's it's totally fucked up, man. And some titans have passed away while I've been, you know, old enough and satient to, to understand the, the impact of death. You know, fucking Michael Jackson died, um, like in the last 10 years or a little over. So like I, I've seen some icons go Prince and, you know, other greats, but somehow this just feels different. And I don't know if it's cause I'm from Los Angeles and, and listen, I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest. I'm a marginal sports fan at best. And basketball is not like my sport necessarily. And yet I just looked at this guy like, uh, I just, uh, I, what, I just, there, there was, there wasn't a lot not to like about the guy, man. He was, um, he was a special one. He dared to be great. You know, he was one of those rare ones that like gave us a framework for what greatness looked like. Because the reality is, you know, Many of us are not equipped to accomplish anything that looks like that. And I think even deeper and more than that, many of us aren't capable of it mentally. You know, we all want to say that, oh, yeah, if I was six foot six and athletically gifted, I'd be doing the same thing. But no, you fucking wouldn't. Because it's not just that. It's not just natural talent. To be these people, to be Kobe or... Jay-Z or, or, or Roger Federer or Tiger Woods or, you know, I don't know, Barbara Streisand to be any of like the greats, <laughs> Barbara Streisand, because I did, I gave that for my mom. It, it is such a rare quality to be that blessed with a natural innate ability and to have that married to such a deep, uh, deep rooted ambition and then match that with a work ethic that just doesn't quit. That's that perfect storm. That's why you only see these like once in a generation people. Because if you're lucky, you're, you know, you're equipped with one of those things. Like maybe you've got a little bit of talent, but you work your balls off. And so you get some success or or perhaps you're just like ultra ambitious and you can like talk your way into a bunch of bullshit and maybe perhaps you like find some success in doing that. Or maybe you're just wildly talented but you're a lazy fuck, you know what I'm saying? And and then like your talent gets you so far but inevitably it never quite, you know, reaches the heights because talent without that support of like that 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 insane deep sea to drive it it doesn't quite, you know, that dog doesn't hunt. But Kobe was one of those rare people that just, he had it all. I mean, I, I had uh, one of his mentors, a guy who he worked with named Tim Grover on the podcast. And, and he just, you know, he echoed everything we kind of already knew. 
that he was the one who was going in and shooting free throws after a game, win or lose. You know, when he was already Kobe Bryant. When already all the, um, all sort of the trappings and, and the cash and prizes were were plentiful around him and it would have been easy to just go home and enjoy his like big beautiful life. But no, you know, it meant more to him. And these people that are this great are, are you know, I, I think we're mistaken if we ever believe that they're not like wildly competitive, like obscenely, you know, breathlessly competitive, be it Tom Brady or Michael Jordan and the likes of them. I mean, you know, they whether it's a coin toss or uh, air hockey <laughs> Or the game that they, you know, they fell in love with and played professionally. They wanted to win every time. And that's not a quality that we that we all need to have. You know, these are why these people, that, that's why, you know, we have these Mount Rushmore type figures. Because, like, we couldn't all be equipped that way. It wouldn't work. You know, the world would lack balance. But they were there. They're our figureheads. You know, they're the ones to aspire to and sort of set the tone. We need people to look up to. And Kobe was one of those people. And and I'm impressed, you know. I'm impressed with people who are given a great deal of responsibility and are thrust into the limelight. I mean, the kid had to, you know, Kobe had to have his parents co-sign his contract because he wasn't even 18 when he started playing for the Lakers. I mean, it's like bugged out. And these people who don't break down in the spotlight, because we've all seen it. You know, we've all seen people sort of, you know, they, they lose their mind. They, you know, that much attention, that much adoration. We're not built for this. We're, you know, we're packed animals. We've still got fucking reptilian brains that can't understand the fact that, like, we have a, a excess and surplus of food and shelter and, and, and that we're utterly taken care of because less than a couple hundred years ago, like, we were regularly freezing to death. You know, we were barely just, like, surviving. So the idea in this day and age that you could literally at your fingertips have, you know, millions and millions upon millions of people just feeding, you know, your ego and uh, validating you on a level that is so unhealthy and over the top, you know, most people would melt in the face of that. You know, they fall apart. I know I would. Fuck, I'm like, you know... uh, one percent as famous as as that, and I can I can barely hold on at times. <laughs> and you know nobody's asking me to sign their jersey, if you know what I mean. All right, if I you know if I if I fucked up, uh, I wouldn't be letting that many people down. But but he he was a, a consistent role model. He kept it together. He was someone who just seemed to, in the face of every situation, um, hold himself to a higher standard, man. And his daughter was with him in the helicopter, and it's all just so fucking deeply, deeply fucked up. And I am, you know, 
my thoughts and my prayers are with their family and it's just utterly tragic man when you have a kid you understand it in such a deeper way my kid has led to me being way more emotional than i need to be let me tell you i mean i'm crying over here at commercials for like paper towel you know i could see the wrong metamucil commercial and i'm a puddle man you know what i'm saying Some older grandpa starts taking his proper amount of fiber at night and, you know, he's all of a sudden having a better life because his, his duties are more regular and I'm, I'm finished, man. It's, it's a wrap. I'm choked up. I'm thoroughly choked up. So, you know, seeing real tragedy like this, man, I, I just find it utterly, um, utterly heartbreaking. And, um, and I live in LA and this was like his city and this is, uh, you know, we grew up, my best friend, Len, you know, I, I called him immediately and I, I broke the news to him and he was out with his kids and he's like the biggest Lakers fan I know. And it was like, he, he said to me, he's like, dude, he's like, people are calling me like, like he was a family member of mine because they know how much I loved him. Like this was the effect that, that he had on people. You know, I think we all felt like he was a family member to some extent. I mean, if you were a Lakers fan in Los Angeles, but you know, there was like a worldwide effect. I was hanging out with my buddy from South Africa today and I, I asked him, I was like, was there, you know, obviously this is like American basketball. Like what was sort of the, what was the, the sort of understanding of who Kobe was where you grew up and he was like oh it was sort of unanimous he was like in the same breath as Michael Jordan like maybe we didn't follow basketball but we all knew who Kobe Bryant was like we grew up understanding that like this is one of the greatest athletes alive so rest well man rest well Kobe it's uh it's heartbreaking and to his daughter and his family, man, it's, um, it's a really, uh, it's a, it's a sad thing. Um, and I don't know how to transition out of this other to say <laughs> on today's podcast, Joe Coy, this is a great, funny podcast. So maybe inevitably this will be a nice sort of reprieve from my pretty sad introduction um but you know fuck man this is life you know this is what we do we grieve together we live together we all you know we all we all are just here doing our best and and feeling things on a human level and it, it can be quite uh unpretty at times but joe coy great comedian brilliant guy so funny so wonderful was cool enough to do my podcast and then I wound up doing his podcast in kind of like we took a break from mine when did his and then we finished up mine but just an unbelievably generous sweet dude and you know uh, unfairly funny and crushing the game so hard um and I I hope that you love this because I I just love chatting with him so please enjoy Joe Coy muffled oh really mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very pitchy there right. we go these levels look. there you are nice so ha- i'm so proud you use the stand okay perfect 
Is that does that become a thing that when you start becoming famous enough in comedy, you have a specific mic yeah. that you use? Really? Well, it's just me, you know. And then I got openers, and uh, you know, you spit all over the mic when you talk, right? So it just kind of grosses me out. Are you a cordless guy, corded on cord. stage? Have to have a cord. Is it a feeling of safety, like you know you're plugged yeah. in or something? Yeah. Well, the mic is different too. It's heavier. It's sleeker. Mm. Uh, the cord, I use it. You know what I mean? Right. Do you, what about like, did you, and you tried the Shore and you weren't into it? No, I mean, the Shore is just a, it's a standard uh, mic. So, uh, you know, every comedy club uses a Shore. They're right. starting to make Shures like the Sennheisers now, but uh, I might switch over, but the Sennheiser just, it's very pitchy. It's very high. It's a, it's a higher range for me. Right. Because I, I go very high. What? Oh, no. Now I can't hear me. Hold on. <laughs> we are having technical... Di- Hold on one second. Let me check. Just want to make sure. God forbid. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Boom, boom. Check, check. So now you can hear you. Oh, you know why you can't fucking hear me? Because these are unplugged in. I've got my earbuds. <laughs> That's what it is. This is... So put the splitter back on it. All right. Splitter in. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go yes this is great yes. one more step come on now hello oh my this is beautiful right god joe coy thank god for you there you go um okay so you're a man of a specific mic you know howard stern only uses a neumann oh really that hot german shit yeah like fine i mean that's like the mercedes a microphone mm. can you hear me yeah beautiful okay because i can't hear you but that's fine. I'm Is good. That okay? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. As long I, as you can hear me, we're good. I think, uh, yeah, I'm boom, boom. Check, check. Yep. There you are. That's good. Good? Yes. Love it. Um, dude, thank you for doing this. Of course. I'm such a fan. I, that's, that's so cool. You know, I'm, 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 I'm an older, older cat. So I got a, I got a son and a bunch of nieces and nephews. So, uh, of course, Drake and Josh was part of my household. Yes. You know what I mean? Have you been besieged by just episode after episode? Of course. Most parents I I mean, that was, you know, that was the thing. You know, that, I mean, it's still, uh, how does that feel though, to know that you moved a generation like that? That, that my son, you know, he's 16 and then my niece, she's 22. She just turned 22 and it's just, it's all about, I mean, she still follows you. So it's like, that's all they talk, you know, that's where they know you from. And of course, they, now she knows you as who you are now. Sure, but I mean that—that's that's so cool, man. It, it's so cool that uh, that you got to move a generation like that in that in that particular world that you were in, which was—I don't even—was that Nickelodeon? What what was it? It was Nickelodeon. Yeah. I mean, that's so cool, man. I feel like they don't have that anymore. I don't know. I don't watch it anymore because my son's sixteen now. You know what I'm saying? What's he into now? Nice sneakers? I follow yeah. you on Instagram. Well, my son has always been, uh, first of all, I, I started the whole shoe game movement. Yeah, like, Did I, you? I mean, it's already verified. <laughs> Anyone else that's doing it uh, came long after me. Are you the original sneakerhead? I'm just saying. Look at my first specials, man. I'm wearing Jordan 3s. You know what I mean? That's 15, 16 years ago. Speaking of your old specials and now. Yeah. What is it? I'm fascinated by people. Uh-huh. Like I had Dan Fogelman on my podcast. You know uh-huh. who that is? Uh-uh. He, so he and I did a, a TV show together that he helped create called Grandfathered with Stamos. Oh, okay. Fox. And he had had- Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we did, and he's, you know, uh, one of the great writers of, wrote for Pixar and, and created so many television shows, and then now has the show This Is Us. Oh, my God, yeah. Which I, I, I binge-watched. Right, yeah, so good. When that, when that came out. That was on, is that, that's still on ABC? Uh, and NBC? NBC? think so. All I know is I, I, I couldn't stop watching it. So, yeah, very Emotional. Amazing. Oh, so amazing. And I asked him, how does it feel to be the goal? Like, yeah. how does it, because we're all, especially performers, right? We're fascinated by the idea of that finish line. Yeah. Like, what does it feel to fill up an arena? So yeah. I ask you, do you have any, like, does it impact you at all? Or is it just another day? No, it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause, uh, man, how do we get, how do we get there? Like, you know, this is my 30th year. So I started in 89 and uh, and I wore every hat, you know what I mean. So when I first started, there was no Instagram, no MySpace, no Facebook. It was literally Kinkos. It was the straight cutter. Yeah, making your own flyers, trying to get five to six to a page, you know, so you get the most out of your a piece of paper. Sure, don't so want to waste you, toner. Yeah, you don't want to waste toner. You don't, and, and not only that, you get six to a page, hundred page, you got six hundred flyers. You know what I mean? Kill it. And then you go to a parking lot, and you you drop them into every car until you get chased off by security and it's like you know back then they didn't have uh open mics where i was at i was in you know, i was in las vegas so i had to rent my own theaters so that's how i started my own show so i had to wear all the hats you know what i mean well you tell that great story when you were on bobby lee's podcast yeah. about when you were going to the university of las vegas yeah and basically just renting your own halls yeah how and you... I got turned down by the Filipino Student Association. Why? I like to make sure I, I let <laughs> everyone know that my own people turned me down that day because they couldn't visualize what I was trying to pitch. I told them that I was trying to put a pitch a show with diversity and that I'm a Filipino comic and uh, up and coming Filipino comic. And right. my, and my, uh, my other friend that was on the show, Mark Fernandez, he was Filipino and Bobby Lee was Korean. And then we were going to put another guy on there that was white. His name was Geechee Guy, which was going to be our headliner. Which almost sounds the most Asian. Geechee yeah. Guy. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> and we're going to close it with Geechee Guy. <laughs> and, um, and it was so funny because uh, I begged him. I was like, dude, you, and, and I go, it'll be free to the students. All I, I, you heard the story, right? And yeah, I, yeah. Love all it. we need is your signature. As long as a, a student type of organization signed off on the paper, we would have got the venue for free, which means I could have gave all the tickets for free. But they, they didn't do it. They turned me down. I was like, you got to be kidding me. They didn't like, see it. I guess not. I, I remember getting the call, and they were just like, yeah, we're going to pass. And I was like, what? Okay. They... Bobby Lee went on to do Mad TV, and and I went on to do what I did, and it's just like, really, you guys turned us down? What did they pass you for to I put on a know. It juggling was so... act? What did I? You know, I would love to get that question. I, I I love to get that question answered. What did you guys pass on me for? I, I would love to know. I would I would love to figure out who uh, was in charge of that organization to this day, because I know it haunts them. There's no way they can't know that it wasn't me. There's no way. Is there a part of you that w hopes, just small, slight, yeah. that anyone who ever rejected you, yeah. that it haunts them oh, in their day-to-day yeah. -day life? Oh, yeah. 
There's a girl. There's this one girl. Oh, I don't want to say any names. <laughs> Just say it. Um, but she was one of those girls that that dated me, but it was it was more for the food. You know what I mean? It was more for the meal. And um and I knew it. I knew it, but she was so cute, man. I don't want to say her name. I really don't. Really tell cute. me if I'm close. Denise, Jennifer, Eliza, Allison, Emily, Rebecca. No. Cynthia? You're, no. Stacy. It's close right there. Stacy? It's close to that. Okay. It's close to that. That's enough for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Starts with an S. You know who you are. Sandra. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she probably follows you for sure. <laughs> and um, she was just so cute and just so adorable. But it, literally, I knew every time I took her out, it would be about her ex. It would be about her ex. I already knew that, though. Right. Because I was that guy. I was shoulder to cry on guy. Mm. And, I, and I didn't care. I just like, yo, let's go out to eat. Like, I was that guy. Let's go out to eat. And then she we go out to eat. And then of course, all of a sudden, oh, I gotta go. And it would be with the ex. Could you track the more she became full, the less interested she became in you? Yeah, 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 yeah. For <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. The the minute she rubbed her belly, I'm like, oh, this shit's over. We're done. Yeah, we're done. I'm not cute anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done. It's done. But you know what's crazy? Oh man, I shouldn't tell this story. It's gonna hurt, man. Just let it let it live. Uh, Bring some air to it. All right, fuck it. <laughs> uh, so it always it always like like it always was like when when I would drop her off or whatever in my head because I always knew, man. Every girl that broke up with me during the beginning of my stand up career, yes, I always told myself I was like, oh, bitch, you you fucked up. <laughs> you really you made a mistake. You don't even. You don't even know what you had your hands on, but you let it go, and that's good. I always told myself that, and she was one of them. Fast forward to about 10 years ago, all right? I'm at the the Mirage Hotel, completely sold out. I mean, we sold this thing out, and then they were sitting people on the sides, like the sides. Bringing like, in I, chairs. I could totally tell they brought in chairs. This is a theater, man. This is where they, you know, boys to men plays. It's It's the big theater. And they got people on the sides, and I'm like, okay, you guys overpacked this shit. And every time uh, uh, someone opens for me, I like to go up to the front and see how it sounds while they're on stage. So I like to go up to the front and watch them and let, let anyone know that I'm, I'm in the back of the house. So I go to the back of the house, and I'm, I'm watching. <laughs> this is so crazy, because now she's going to know. <laughs> uh, and all I hear is, Joe? And I'm like, huh? And I literally turn, and there she it's It's her. Oh, yes. And she's still working at the same hotel. At the Baccarat table? No. I don't know what the... No, she's a... She she was a... Croupier? Usher. An usher. She was sitting people to my show. No. Yes. That is the best thing I've ever heard. 100. Oh. And, bro, you want to hear something even crazier? Same hairstyle. Of course. Same unbelievable short... Like it was the Jennifer Aniston hairstyle, the blonde hair, and it kind of looped at the bottom like this. She still had the same hairstyle when I when I was dating her. It was the most gratifying and emotional thing I've ever went through because I was like, I felt sorry for because she started crying. She goes, "I knew you were gonna make it. Oh my, I'm so proud." And I hugged her, and 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 then uh, and then deep down I was like, I'm like "Yeah, bitch," but that, that was different. <laughs> It was so crazy, man. I don't want to say her name, but when she hears that, she knows who it is. And it's it's just so 
crazy. Like I, I couldn't believe it when I looked at it. I was like, oh my god. Like I still remember where we ate. Like I like it. PTSD on this chick. She hasn't had a square meal in ten years. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since, since she dated no you. No more country fried steak. Oh, that was me. You took her to Cracker Barrel. I took her. To- <laughs> <laughs> Dude, seriously, it was the coolest. Uh, it was the coolest and, and, and uh, horrible feeling. It I really bet. was because I felt for her. Does, I really did. I was like, "Wow, you got to witness this. You got to see this, bro. That's got a crush." Is there any way to get where you are and to where great comedians have gotten to without having that little feeling of "I'm going to prove everyone who ever doubted me wrong"? I don't think so. Yeah. No. No, especially me. And the reason why I say this, Josh, is uh, especially to you, and and this is kind of effed up to say, but I I come from a demo that I don't even think is recognized to this day yet, Mm. which is mixed. You know what I mean? I think mixed-ish just came out. Right. And, And a lot of you, a lot of people don't understand that mixed race is is actually a race of people that's not identified yet. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, we're still trying to find Asian people within our community as far as entertainment in Hollywood. We still got another, like, this off brand. Like, this off, like, I don't even know how to say it. Like, like we're we're trying to find our, our identity. The next because I, I am Asian, but I have a white dad, too. You know what I mean? Right. I talk about my Asian mom a lot. That's because my white dad wasn't with me when I was 10, and he... He didn't come back into my life till I was like 22, so I identify with my mom's culture a lot. Right. But but when someone that's full Asian sees me, they're, they they don't see that. What they do see they me see? as half. Mm. And you don't understand. It's like, yeah, I do understand. So you kind of don't live in either world. You it's don't crazy, man. It's hard to it's hard to uh, it's hard to uh, book me in a movie. It's hard to you know what I mean. How do you write for that? And it, and, and that's good though. I'm glad. Because I think what needs to happen is now we just need to realize that we're all just just one. Mm. I know that sounds cheesy, but like we don't need to book an Asian for an Asian part. We need to book someone that can act that part out really, really well. Yes. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? And I'm not saying, oh, let's get the white guy for the Asian part. But what I'm saying is, oh, God, now I'm getting myself in a hole. In a stereotypical part, mm. let's just say that. Does it always have to go there where we have to go to like a demographic for it? Does that make sense? Do I make any fucking sense? Yeah, right now? it's pretty open. I, I, it's boundaryless. And yet, like, I wonder do those, the idea of, of stunt casting almost, like yeah. an Asian guy for an Asian role or a black dude for a black guy role, like, are those, it seems to me, and I've, I'm on the side of front lines of auditions and whatnot, and more so than ever, it used to be because I was fat, there was me and three other fat guys. Yeah. Then I got in shape, and it was me and 20 other better looking white guys. Yeah, and you were like, God, I wish I was fat again. Exactly, because <laughs> I had that fucking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now I go to an audition, and it's me and every single look, ethnicity, age, maybe even girls too. Yeah. And it's like because they basically said, "Okay, we fucked up for about a century." So then so then I do make sense. Yes. That Good. it's limitless. And I'm glad. Yes. I'm glad that we're there. It just hurt when I was coming up. You know, it's always hard for me to explain to my son 
the time that I lived in because it's not that long ago. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, you know, the, I always tell my son the tools that you have now, I never had. You know what I mean? And the opportunities that I had that you have, I never had. And, 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 and the people that you get to get inspired by, I never had. Right. He's, he's being inspired by every demo. Like he's, he's being inspired by every ethnicity because they're represented now. On every network, you can watch somebody of color or of a different religion or, you know, it's, there's a lot more to choose from now to yeah. inspire you. You know what I mean? I have a friend who's transgender and did the gender reassignment surgery. Yeah. And she said, say what you will about Caitlyn Jenner because she's completely imperfect. But the idea of having her as someone in the public eye who did it publicly to empower someone like me. Yes. Is unheard of. Unheard of. Unheard of. And that's and that's what we need. Yes. Like it, 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 it to us we don't see it because we're that's not that's not us. But to your friend, that's the world. Mm. Did that make sense? <laughs> I'm sorry that I keep questioning. I just want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. No, it does. Because and and as cheesy as this sounds, man, the minute I heard Oh, this is so crazy. The minute I heard Rob Schneider in a movie, his dad goes, your mom made you your favorite, Raspberry Babinka. Okay, that's that's a line in a movie. Mm. As small as that fucking line is, it was my world. Right. My world was like shook. My whole world was just like, it opened. These these doors of me being, uh, being a stand-up comic opened like, it was double door, and I just saw like light coming through. Do and, most people know that Rob Schneider's half Filipino? No, I didn't even know. <laughs> right until that moment when he said raspberry babinka, and when he said that, as small as that word was, it was over with. Hmm. I had somebody in in the business that I can be inspired by, motivated by. Uh, anything that he accomplishes, I know I can do because he did it. He opened the door and he showed me like, yo, I'm Filipino white, just like you. I got blue eyes, but my mom's Filipino. I'm like, I got green eyes and my mom's Filipino. Yeah. I got you, bro. Like you got, whatever you're going to do, I'm going to do. You got the best attributes from both sides, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's Hands down. You're like, you're like the Filipino A-Rod. Yeah. It's so <laughs> funny, man. Cause when I was growing up, no one knew what I was. So they all, you know, I used to do a joke like that, you know, I, uh, it's like, you know, they, when they find out what I am, they, they would compliment the worst shit. I was like, oh, my God, what are you? Green eyes. Oh, my God, what are you? And I'm Filipino. I love orange chicken. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? What is that? It's like, yes, Filipinos love fried food, but yeah. we don't make orange yeah, chicken. Yeah, we're not orange chicken. <laughs> what are you talking about? But, like, the reason why I did that joke is because when I was growing up as a kid, as cheesy as that joke is, like, you always have to embellish reality, right? Sure. For it to be stand-up. For it to be comedy. So, yeah, no one ever said orange chicken to me. But it was that ridiculous. Yes. Get it? Because no one knew what a Filipino was in 1971. No one knew what a Filipino was in 1981. No one knew what a Filipino was in 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91. So their compliments for me were just very, I know what an Asian is. Yes. So when I said I was Filipino, oh my God, dude, I can't get, I've, I've been to like, Mr. Chan's, yo, I can't get enough of that. Like, that's the kind of conversation I would have. Because no one knew what a Filipino was. Especially you grew up in Washington? Yes. Tacoma, right? Yes. Oh, please. So It was very white, black. No Jews. 
No Filipinos. No. 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 I mean, there were, but we were in. We were on the base. Mm. You know what I mean? We were on the base. So when we well, on the base, it's so funny. Like, I pitched a show already, uh, but and, and, and it's going to happen. But uh, I, I on the base is a community of people. Right. It's 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 a it's a race that was made <laughs> through through government. I always do this joke about the government's the original Tinder. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if it wasn't for the U.S. government, there'd be no mixed race. That's so true. It, there would be no Tiger Woods, bro. Are you kidding me? Would not. Earl Woods would have never found his Thai w- wife. It would have never happened if it wasn't for the Army. Yeah. It's you know a, what I mean? It's a mixed race promoting yes. dating service. Yeah. <laughs> With a little bit. Korea, swipe left. <laughs> Look. But in reality... That when we were on those bases, it was like, that's all we saw. I Like, I saw a thousand Tiger Woods. You know what I mean? I saw a thousand Rob Schneiders. I saw a thousand Mies. Uh, it was just, that was us. When we got off the base is when we were being looked at. You know what I mean? When we went into the real world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which was just a gate. When you leave the base and then go to, like, the mall... Where the public has no idea what a soldier is or what the armed forces is, you know what I mean? They just know that we live on a base. Then they see what's what what, what the product of that is. Then they're then they're all like, "Yo, what is that?" I had a black friend, William. He had dad black, mom German, and he got all of his mom's stuff. All of it. He had green eyes. He had like this blondish. It was so crazy. He had blondish afro hair. Odell, it was like Beckham. it was coarse, but it was blondish. It was it was the crazy beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah, but it was just like you didn't see bro, you didn't see that in nineteen eighty one. Yeah. It wasn't no one went north of Sacramento. No, exactly. Like what was it an adjustment to to I walk? I want people to like type in going, Yeah, I see that every day. I'm like, yo, I'm talking about a time. Mm. I'm talking about a time. I'm talking about a time when there was no internet. Where you can type in half black, half German, and get a million pictures of that. There, we're talking about a time when that didn't exist. Everything was word of mouth. Everything was like, "Yo, what are you?" Everything was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That when 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 William walked into the room, everyone was like, "What?" When I walked into the room, everyone was like, "Huh?" My, you know what I mean? My wife grew up in Sacramento, uh-huh. and I'm almost certain that they didn't know any Jewish people. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. and my wife. Until she met me, had never been to a bar mitzvah. Yeah. What what she missed out on. Yeah. What a sheltered, <laughs> what shitty life. What a sheltered, shitty wife <laughs> Northern California lives. Can you believe that? I mean, it's just a great party. Yeah. And then she had the brilliant observation of when she hung out with me and my friends long enough, she's like, when you Jews get together, you sure like to talk about being Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, yeah, perhaps. I love it. And then, so do you, when do you leave Washington to go to college in Vegas? My grandmother had uh, cancer, and, uh, and and we all moved. Well, my mom moved. This is the craziest story, bro. So my mom and dad divorced, and then she found this man named Fred Harrison. He's, he's my stepdad. I love this man to death. He's my father figure. Uh, Sergeant uh, Fred Harrison. He was in the Army. He's still, you know, he's, he's retired now. But uh, she met him. <laughs> so crazy, because, you know, I, I deal with a... My brother has schizophrenia, and he used to beat the shit out of all of us, you know, right. except for me. He beat the shit out of my mom, my sisters, my not my other sister, but my sister Rowena, and my dad. 
I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm being so specific with you. No, I, I but, and you've talked about this before, and I know how it sort of impacted. Yeah, you. that's tough. Oh yeah, oh, it's gosh. so crazy because I've been talking about it more lately, but uh, but it feels good to get it off my chest. Um, you know, for years I used to tell people I only had two sisters. I never told anyone about Robert. That's like I was dealing with like PTSD. You know what I mean? And um, and uh, Fred was the first one to kick Robert's ass. And we saw that. And I was just like, holy shit. He was like God to me. So it was so crazy. When my mom met Fred, I'm not going to make this a depressing pod. No, When you... my mom met Fred, Robert kicked the door open into the apartment. And it was a metal door. I remember he kept kicking it. And then he just finally got through. And Fred, he was just like, Bubba, I'm a... <laughs> like, Bubba, I swear to God, I ain't going to fight you, but I'm going to stop you. And, and then, of course... Robert swung on him, and then Fred's huge. He's like 6'4", 280 pounds, I don't know, 300 pounds. Bah! Throws him on the ground, lays on top of him. He goes, I'm not going to fight you, Bubba. He goes, but I'm going to get up, and you're going to walk out this motherfucker. And then Robert's like, okay, let me up, let me up. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you this shit. And then he goes, all right. He lets him up. Robert starts walking out, and then he turns around, swings on, on Fred again. Bah! Fred just lands him, just tackles him. Really? Lays on top of him. Robert's tiny. He's like five, six, whatever. 150 pounds, but he can fight, bro. He can fight. Fred lays on top. He's like, Bubba, I ain't going to tell you again. I ain't going to fight you. But you're going to get the fuck out of here. And then finally, that went on three three more times. He finally gets Robert out of the house. And I swear to God, man, that was the day I was like, I think God just came into my life. Because you felt protected. Bro. Finally. Finally. Yeah. Finally, this fucking mayhem that was in our life for so long is has been contained. You know what I mean? And I feel protected. You know what I mean? I used to be scared. Like, when I was by myself, I used to lock the door. All I do is watch TV because I, I didn't want to go out, you know, because we didn't know when Robert was going to come through. And I want your listeners to know, I don't want you to think my brother was just some guy that came and beat the shit out of everybody. He was just, you didn't yeah. know when. You know what I mean? He had so many personalities. And that's, that, that's, it's amazing how as a child too, you're so powerless. Yeah. And like, and my, my experience is on such a lesser scale, but I remember being fucking terrorized in middle school and elementary school because I was like the fat musical theater kid without a dad. Oh. So I just might as well have walked around and been like, please punch me in the yeah. head. Kick repeatedly. me in my stomach. <laughs> yeah. Really? You, so you dealt with that. It was really painful. I mean, obviously to a lesser extent. And, and I just felt utterly hopeless. And I remember going into like eighth grade. My mom said, there's a performing arts high school down the block from where we live. Why don't you audition? Give it a try. You seem to love this shit. Yeah. And I got in and it was like day one. Wow. And they're like openly gay kids and people singing in the halls. And like I was yeah. surrounded all of a sudden by people like me. Yeah. And- I flourished because oh. that, that fear, I finally felt protected yeah. and that I didn't have to insulate. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's a great story, man. I mean- I, I just visualized everything you said. Yeah. That's such a cool, like, like if you're ever to shoot that, that's really, really cool. That's a really cool scene Thanks. to see that and just be like, you're surrounded by that. That that's That's beautiful, man. My people. Yeah. Yeah. Your community, right? And- um. Yeah, and when, when Fred came into my life, I was just like, holy shit, I don't want this man to ever leave. Mm. And my mom goes, okay, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, we found out about three months after they started dating, and I mean, it moved fast. I, I mean, 
the minute, minute he started dating my mom, Robert came in a month later. Fred stayed the night, and F Robert found out, tried to fight Fred. Fred beat the shit out of him. That was the last time we saw Robert for a while. And then Where after, would Robert go? That's the scary. Like, my brother was homeless, but he always knew he could come to us, and mm -hmm. we'd always take him in. So, like, he would just come in whenever. You know what I mean? And, and of course, we'd take him in. And... um. But not that time. It was just like we, we had enough. We were just like, dude, we can't. We just can't keep. Like we got to live our lives too. And I know it's going to sound awful to people, but if you could just imagine how much stress we went through. No, you it know, terrorizes it's, a It family. is. It's terrorizing because you love the person that's terrorizing you. And you can kind of give them over to the state. Like yeah. you can say government intervene. Yes. And they won't be as emotionally tied to good old Robert. Yeah. Like they'll kind of, they'll be a little more forceful. Yeah. Right. But the thing with the government is it can only keep him for so long. And then he gets evaluated. And of course he passes and then he gets released. Because he faked goods for, for Always. a quick minute. Yeah. Always. And he's good at it. Sure. And then he goes back to spin outs. And does he take meds for a while? He takes meds when he goes in. Right. And, and, and they work. And they work. And he's good. But Man. They, don't, they don't want to stay on him. Well, the government doesn't want to pay for it. It's like, oh, you're good. Now just take your meds, Rob. Okay. Releases him. Spins out of control. Goes back in. But he knows that. And now it's to the point where he knows how to get the system to work. You know what I mean? So he knows. So now we all know that's where Robert is. You yeah. know? And we just have to accept it. You know, we call him. We talk to him. But, you know, but we can't. We, can't, we just can't. Or else we're never going to move forward. It's it's, so it's sad tough. to say, but we'll never move forward. And and uh, we know that he's well taken care of. The state watches him, but uh, but but that's when we knew that we had to get, move away from him. And then when we found out that my grandmother had cancer, my mom just left <laughs> with this guy that I just met. He's all of a sudden my dad. Three months into the relationship, and he moved in. It was crazy. <laughs> what a transition. My mom goes, all right, I'm going to leave you guys. It was our senior year in high school. And she goes, I'm going to go to take care of my mom in Vegas. And I'll, I'll live with her and I'll find a job and I'll save all my paychecks because I'm living rent free. I'm going to take care of her. And I'll have a place for you guys to move and, and, and everything after a year. So she lived there my whole school year. My senior year was with Fred. He raised me my whole senior year in high school, me and, me and my sister Gemma. And did you guys just get on? Like, were you cool? Or was everyone like, you're not my dad, Fred? No, he was, hell no. no. We loved Fred. Okay, good. That was our, that was our savior, man. <laughs> he was, he was so, you don't understand, man. He was, he was our everything. He was my, I was watching sports with him. He was a Seahawks fan. He was a Sonics fan. Uh, he was everything. He was a Dodgers fan. Like I still, I, I remember I just recently paid him, uh, cause I bet him 150 bucks uh, Dodgers gets, uh, I forgot who it was against. I forgot who it was against. It's when Kirk Gibson hit the homer. Oh, remember when he just laid his bat out there and knocked it out? I don't know baseball. Oh, you don't? <laughs> I wish. Well, it was a miracle shot. Kirk Gibson just threw his bat out. He walked, he limped out. And I remember Fred go, we about to win. And I was like, all right, let's go. And we bet him and they won. I was like, motherfucker. And I just recently paid him. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting for my Fred. <laughs> I love Fred so much, man. God, I, I got a, a joke about him now, and it's it's beautiful. It's a great way of like paying homage to to my my hero. Do you have you noticed sort of surreptitious ways of like your relationship with your biological dad? 
has it shown itself in certain ways? Like I know for me growing up, I would put men in my life like on a pedestal. Yeah. Like these weird inadvertent father figures. Uh. Like did did you notice any way that that affected you or, or you had Fred so it kind of bridged the gap? Yeah, I just had Fred. Yeah. I really did. And I call him dad and it's it's crazy. And I love my dad. Don't get me wrong. It just sucks because it, it, there were those were like those very important years, man. You know, from eleven to twenty-two, it was just like everything, everything. It's man, man school. It is, and I needed that. I needed Fred. I needed that guy. I needed a, you know, I needed someone to call me a pussy. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like stop being a pussy. You know, like like I know that sounds shitty, but that's what I needed. I needed a guy to like. Make me get some balls, grow some hair on my balls. He would always say stuff like that to me, you know? Where did real dad go? He moved to Phoenix. You know, I always say this, too, about my dad. Like, you know, I always tell my dad, like, yo, I get it. So, you know, I'm not mad at you because I probably would have done the same thing. Mm. Because, uh, you know, I always say this, too. Like, when you get a divorce, always remember your kid's going to write his his story or her story. She will write her own story yes. through the shit that you do. So, you know what I mean? They'll just figure it out. It's like a puzzle. You know, you throw all the puzzle pieces on the on the table and then they'll put it together. You don't have to tell them anything. You don't have to go like, your mother this, your father this, and she did this and he did that. Uh, they're going to take all that information and then they're going to put the puzzle together and they'll be like, I know it really happened. They'll know. That's so stupid. smart. Kids aren't stupid, man. Mm. You know what I mean? You can say everything you want about whoever it was. They'll figure it out. You don't have to say anything, to be honest. Because they're witness to it. They're a witness. Kids are not stupid. They they just get it. And I got it. You know what I mean? That's so I, smart. I, I was mad at my dad because he was missing. And I agreed with my mom. Yo, yeah, that is fucked up. He did leave us. But... I also understood what he did. You know what I mean? He was 28 years old and he met my mom, married her. She had two kids already. One was eight. One was four. The eight-year-old was Robert. That's my brother. Yeah. And imagine adopting a kid at that's not yours at 28. And then eight years later, he's clinically you know, diagnosed with schizophrenia. It's a lot. Not only is it a lot. But this kid can fight. Like, I'm not even joking. He's 5'6 and can kick your ass. Bro, let me tell you something, man. I just, I'm telling you, man. I I just watched, uh, was it Glass that just came out? Uh, the M. Night Shyamalan. With all three of the characters? Yeah. And the middle one's Animal, right? Mm. That's my brother, bro. Like, I understood that story on so many other levels, man. Like, I recognize that hospital. I recognize that bed. I recognize that outfit. I recognized everything. Your brother's James McAvoy. Bro, if I can explain to you how scary my brother can be, it's 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 nuts. It almost sounds Filipino. James McAvoy. 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 <laughs> That's so true. A little bit. I'm telling you, though, man, because, you know, with that character, you see the innocence, the, the kid, mm. and then you see the motherfucker that will just rip your fucking head off Yeah. And, and, and can do it, and that's my brother. Like I'm not even joking. It was scary, man. It was it was absolutely traumatizing to see six cops on top of my brother just ba ba just hitting him in the back of the head ba ba. 
holding his arms down. And my brother just looking at me like, they ain't going to fucking take me. They ain't going to take me. And I'm just like, Robert, just put your arms behind your back. I'm just yelling at him, come on, Robert. No, fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. They're going to have to kill me. Bah. And just fucking hammer him, spraying him. Nothing. Nothing's working. That's, that's animal. Yeah. That, that's, that's that character. I get it. It's exaggerated, him walking on the walls. But to me, as a kid, that's what I saw. There is no way you can touch my brother. That's that level of crazy when a taser doesn't affect you. Nothing. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? is My brother's really funny. Yeah, I bet. He's really, really funny. It's so crazy. When, you get a, when, when that door opens and he lets you talk to Robert, it's so much fun. You know, and then it closes real fast. And then and then you then it's a lot of you just like rolling your eyes and like, okay, all right, because it's some weird story about some bullshit. <laughs> you know what uh-huh. I mean? I'm an FBI agent, I gotta go blah blah. It, it just it's 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 sad. It's so frustrating because for so many people with who have some mental illness, they really do benefit from medicine, but either the drawbacks or the the um the side effects are so great. And then there's also a part of it where they miss the mania. Yeah. Cause the mania feels so good. Yeah. That they just feel flat all yeah. the time so that they're always doing that medicine dance of should I, shouldn't I? And you're like, God, fuck, why can't you just take it? And everything would be fine. Right. And it's like, ah, it's such a tough thing. It is a tough thing because if he just takes it, he'd be all right. Yeah. He would just be aight. <laughs> God, it drives me crazy. When I'm interested, and I don't want to forget this, when you were talking about your son earlier and how he's got so many sort of, you know, in the sort of biracial inspirations on he television. Does, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, on every level. But, like, I'm interested because I just had Bro, a- how cool is it that my son can be uh, in anything that he wants to do? Say like right now, my son. I bought my son a beat machine. He's he's making beats every day. Well, like an MPC. Uh, he's got everything. I... He's got the everything, and he's just play, making beats. And he he sends it to me all the time. How cool is it that one of my friends, Illmind, got a Grammy for the Carters, Jay Z and Beyonce? How cool is that that there's a Filipino producer that produced for Jay Z and Beyonce and got a Grammy that my son can be inspired by that. You know what I mean? Yes. How how cool is it that my son could be like inspired by all these Filipino kids that are dancing, America's best dance America's best dance crew, Jabberwockies, you know, Super Crew. Those are majority of them were all Filipinos. Oh, I did a Sony 3D dance movie with Chris Brown. Uh-huh. So I am very aware of the Asian prowess in it's the dance crazy, community. right? But I'm interested like But that's my son's inspirations. He yeah. didn't see that. Whereas I didn't have any of that. Right. You I didn't were, have any of that. You were watching you know, I was head watching of, what was class. <laughs> Bro, ex- and that was a good show. Bomb show. Bomb show. Dude, the heavy set guy created every Nickelodeon show. Dan Schneider. You're kidding me. Created and he Drake was one of Josh. my favorite characters on that show. He did Keenan and Kel, all that. You're kidding me. iCarly. <laughs> yeah, all of it. He's like the Chuck Lorre of kids television. He is amazing. And but I'm interested with your son who's 16, you said. And yes. like I just had a son, he's 10 months old. I know he's cute. Max. Thank you, Max. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And as my buddy would say for both of our sons, they kind of won the come lottery, right? Maybe yeah. maybe your kid won Powerball, my kid won like a nice state lottery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, for sure. But like so how do you 
keep them grounded? How do you teach them to have perspective when they have such a better life than we had and deservedly so? Yeah, it's it's so funny because uh, I was saying that to my son, uh, not my son, I was saying that to my friend the other day. They're like, your son's so spoiled. I'm like, no, he's not. Like my son is like, he knows he can have whatever he wants at any given time. Like, this is how cool my son's got it. Like, I'm I'm getting ready to play Dubai, right, in January at the Coca-Cola Arena. And uh, and my son's like, cool, I can't wait to go. Like, he (laughs) knows he's going. Yeah. And he knows he's going first class. Like, he he already knows. Emirates? Emirates first class? It's probably going to be Emirates. That's so hot. Yeah, man. It's pretty crazy. It's crazy how, uh, how my life has changed, Josh. Man, Joe Coy, look at you. It's crazy, man. But it's it's cool because he knows he's got it, but but yet he's wearing a sweatshirt that says the name of the school, and then underneath it says lacrosse. And I'm like, lacrosse? I go, where'd you get that sweatshirt? He goes, from the lost and found. I go, the lost and found? I go, what are you doing? I go, you know, we got, I can buy, you need a hoodie, I'll buy you a hoodie. He goes, yeah, but it's cool when you just get it for free, Dad. Even, he goes, even his principal said, he goes, Really? You're going to dig through the lost and found, Joe? Like his dad, everyone at his school knows who I am. Sure. But I think that's cool. That's what's cool about my son. It's like, he's not about like, oh yeah, I'll just, I can buy it whenever I want. It's just like, it's kind of cool to grab that out of the the lost and found bin, dad. It's kind of cool to. He's like, don't worry, dad. I've got a Gucci undershirt on under this. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. What is the jump? I'm fascinated by this. So you, you know, when you watch a comedian who's really starting to gain traction, first you start selling out the improv in Brea. Okay. So when I was selling out the Brea improv, I was selling it out. Your club? Is that the one that's the Joe Coy comedy club? It's kind of crazy. It is, right? That one, I, I broke a huge record there. I think I sold. Man, almost a hundred sold out shows. But will you explain the jump from where how you get from that to theaters to arenas? Man, well, I was doing, I was selling out for almost eight years, like solid. I was selling out everywhere in the country, and, right? And is that like six shows a weekend? It'd be six shows a weekend, but then it it moved up to two weekends in a row. So like Chicago, I play twelve shows at the Schomburg Improv. I played two weekends at Irvine, Brea, Ontario, Oxnard, Sacramento Punchline. I would just always play two week two weekends in a row, which would be like 12, 14 shows. San Francisco, I think I did 16 shows in a row at the at Cobbs. And how many people is that? Uh, each show would be about 400. Okay. So it would be like 6,000 by the time I'm done. Yeah. But we weren't, for some reason, we weren't getting to the theater spot you know we we, so for some reason i couldn't get to that theater i don't know what it was i was on the edge you know what i mean and um and it was so crazy because i noticed that everyone that i was taking on the road with me was getting netflix specials but i wasn't getting a netflix special yeah you know i mean i I was bringing a lot of cats too i was uh, you know i got you know i was taking crystalia on the road i was taking uh you know I, i took a lot of cats and they were getting them and I was seeing them getting specials. No disrespect. I'm glad they're they're supposed to get their specials. But I was I was I was like, why ain't I getting my special? Yeah. And um, so we started hitting up Netflix, and then they kept saying, okay, well, come and watch your 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 set. And then they kept saying, we'll watch it, we'll watch it. And then finally, it was like the end of 2015. 
they just passed. They're like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and pass. We're already booked for 2016. So we'll come back and look at you 2016 for 2017. I was like, huh? I was like, no, they were going to come look at me 2017 for 2018. And what goes through your head at that point? Do you think it's I wanted personal? to cry, Josh. Is it personal or do you just kind of, do you try to say, you know what? Let me take my ego out of this. Maybe they just are full up for this year and there's only so much money to go around they can't I give it to everyone. I was hurt. Yeah. I was hurt beyond I can't even explain to you how hurt I was. Like depression sat in cuz it's 27 years, man. I was 27 years when I asked them. And I'm just like, "Come on, you guys. Like my first two specials were on Comedy Central. They shelved them." You know what I mean? They never played them. Why? I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I used to call them all the time. They're like, can I buy them from you? Can I just buy them? Since no one's watching them, can I buy them? And they won't allow that. They wouldn't even sell them. Because they don't want to look dumb if it's huge. Yeah. I was like, well, can, what do we do? Like, they wouldn't tell me anything. So then I was like, I need to get on Netflix. And then Netflix passed. And I was just like, well, what the fuck? What do I do? You know what I mean? I, and I had to get this hour out. The, the hour that I, I put first on, on Netflix was, like, I, I knew this was that hour. I was like, this is the one. This is, when you call it a special, this is special. This yes. is my special hour. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. And and then I, I uh, my manager just looked at me and he goes, hey, you got the money. Let's go. Just do it. Let's pay for it. Let's bet on ourselves. You're like, not my money. Yeah. My money? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I was so used to cutting flyers at Kinko's and rented theaters and, and getting turned down by my own people <laughs> that I was like, all right, I guess I got to do it again. Mm. 27 years in and I'm still doing it again. So let's go. And I and you're right, Josh. I could have I could have went on Twitter and said something like, hey, I'm canceling my, my subscription to Netflix and I want you guys to do the same because – for some reason, they don't think I'm funny enough to be like, I, I could have done that. Sure. But then what does that do except be on this campaign of hating Netflix? That that doesn't do anything for my situation. So I had to prove to them that I needed to be on that network. So I shot it myself. And I, I spent a lot of money on that. I remember telling my manager, I was like, if we shoot this, because he wanted to shoot it in a small club. And he was all about, dude, it's all about the content. No, hey, and Joe, I don't want to say his name, but my manager was just, he was like my guy. Like, he was my guy that was like, dude, you're so good. If you shoot this, I'm going to buy it. And he goes, it doesn't matter where you shoot it. Shoot it anywhere. Shoot at, shoot at Brea. We'll shoot it. We'll make it look good. I go, no, man. I go, if we're going to shoot it, it's got to look just like everybody else's special on Netflix. It's yeah. got to look like a million-dollar special. Yeah. Or, or else it's not a special. So we went and hired the best director, Michelle and Shannon. Michelle was my producer. Shannon shot it. And uh, best lighting guy. He does Bruce Springsteen's lights. Best sound guy. I rented out the Moore Theater because I'm from Tacoma, and I, that's iconic. That's where Pearl Jam shot uh, Alive. Like, if you watch that, when he's coming down the, the, the balcony, I remember, like, I got to be in that. I got to be in that theater. I got to be in the Moore. And uh, we, we – we, we, man, we promoted that theater. We had to sell out every ticket. Every ticket had to get sold because it went right back into the production. Oh God, the 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 letters behind me. Oh my God, I think those were like seventeen thousand dollars. I was just like, Jesus Christ, for letters that we're gonna destroy at the end of this t 
taping. Because you could have done it at Brea. I could have done it at Brea for free. 30, for no, I could have done it for free and just hired some guys to run the cameras. And um, I could have done it that way. For 20 grand? Yeah. And instead, give me a ballpark. We talking quarter mil? Uh, a little more. Yeah. Yeah, more than that. Yeah. That's a big bet on yourself. Bro, I was broke. So when you watch live from Seattle, you'll see me like laughing and having a good time. And I'm so broke in my head. Like I'm How broke. broke financially though? I'm broke. Because you're you're it was my that was my whole nut. That right. was everything I saved. Wow. But you'd been making money for a couple of years now, no? Yeah, but I also bought some houses. I bought some like yeah, you know you what I mean? Got a kid. My, my sa- I got a kid. You know, my savings was that. Sure. You know what I mean? I got stuff that I have, you know, put away for my son, but that was my savings. That that was my fun money. Liquidity. Yeah. Yeah. And and I threw it all on I remember the last check, I was like, damn. Like I remember the last time they were like, "Hey, we need this in order for us to turn the lights on tonight. We need this today. You need to wire this. Ugh. Like literally, it came down to that. You need to wire this today, and we wired it. And I was like, "Fuck!" And I was broke. And and, and while I'm on stage, I'm telling jokes. And I remember, I remember the first one didn't go well. You recorded twice, two performances, two shows. I remember in my head, I go, "I hope it doesn't rain." Because my whole second crowd's gonna look wet. Yeah. And then God, thank you, Lord, for it was the sunniest day in Seattle, even though the it said on the on the forecast that it was gonna rain. There was no rain, no clouds, no nothing. So the second crowd came in beautiful. And then uh and I remember the first show sucked. I didn't I didn't like it. I was str- I was stressed. Yeah. I didn't you know, there was uh me not wanting certain cameras in the room and, and me, you know, just doing a lot of like directing you mm. know what i mean she directed but there was a lot of stuff that i wanted that i had to like last minute be like i don't want that jib i don't want it it's distracting it's distracting it's ugly yeah it's huge why are we going to knock out a hundred people from this this theater when we can have the whole theater like l- l- gotta find another place for that jib or just put a camera somewhere yeah i remember pushing the whole the letters back just so we can have a back shot because i go because they showed us in the you know the village when we go into the village, and I looked at the camera and I go, I can't see the third val- balcony, like that's that's the whole reason why I rented the moors because there's two balconies, but it's not in the shot. So we had to move all the letters back. We had to move the stage back just so that the camera could tip up high enough so we get that that. But it meant everything. Of, is that one of those moments where you want to say to whomever's in charge? I got a place with three balconies. <laughs> Are you an idiot? <laughs> In no way am I. Oh, man. Shannon, I'm not. He said that. She's a genius. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and I understand where she's coming from. You know what I mean? There was a lot that she saw that, you know, that, that it, it did look perfect. Mm. And she did. And she did that for me only. She really did. She goes, I'll get that shot for you. Yeah. So we had to push everything back just to get it. And it was shot with a handheld. And she got that shot, man. But it was that that was that shot I needed. I go, I need that shot. There's gotta be when I hit this joke, we gotta go to that shot. Yeah. We gotta show we gotta show the top balcony dying. So the first one goes poorly. The first taping. Yes. So now I'm like, well, it doesn't go poorly. It's just like your nerve. It's not. It's not what I do on the regular on the road. You know what I mean. And I didn't capture what I usually do. Yeah. So I'm a little like I'm backstage, and my manager's back there, my son's back there, my my agents are back there. You know, and of course they're all 
yo, that was great. But like in my head, I'm like, ah, man. It wasn't the one. That wasn't the one. So, but now with everything out of the side, you know, all, all the, you know, all the things that was stressing me out, like the jib and all that stuff. I was like, I'm going to go add it on this second one. I'm just kidding. Because that, that, I think that's what they said to me that, that, that got me motivated was you got one out of the way and we can use it. We can use all of that. Yeah. If we need, if we need to, we can use all of it or use some of it. You got it. So that was in my head. So my mentality was when I walked out that I was going to treat it like a club. And I, I literally walked out as if I was at the improv that night on the second taping. That's where me talking to the girl in the front row, if you watch it, I, I talked to this girl in the front row and there's a great moment there that I have with her. That's just so organic. There was a joke that I just made up on the fly from that. You know what I mean? Like I, I was literally in like some type of zone and, and I just remember that I, I had so much on this, this special that I, I had to crush. It had to be the best. It had to be my best work. And, uh, and right when I said goodnight on that second show, I remember going upstairs and hugging everyone. And I was like, we got it, man. I was like, that's the one. That's the one. Do you need, like, when you come out for a moment like that, right, where you had felt like maybe the first one wasn't totally dialed in, do you need that moment where you create a joke on the spot, doing some crowd work with a girl in the front row to reinforce, like, oh, I'm funny and I got this? I don't, I don't know if that's what it was. I just knew that that first one, I didn't capture me. Mm. I, I felt like when I walked out, I was being very... Like a robot. Yeah. And that's because, you know, in no disrespect to my guys, my my crew, they, they only want what's best for me. You know, their 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 note was we don't want to capture you ad libbing, which is right. You don't want that. You you want a routine. People at home want to see a routine, and that's true. But if you can ad lib something really good that moment, like that's amazing to watch too. So uh I think on the first one, I was so in my head that I didn't even, I was just like, I'm not going to talk to anyone and I'm just going to do the routine. And that's what I did. I just, I did this, this routine. So yeah. I wasn't being me. I wasn't being fluid. And then the second one is when I was like, no, I'm going to talk to the crowd. I'm going to talk about Seattle. I'm going to talk about blah, blah, blah. And I just did it all off the top of my head and we got it. And I was like, that's the one, that's the one we're going to use. And what, so what's, I had pneumonia that day. No. Yeah. You were on a Z pack during the biggest special uh, of your life. Yep. That's unreal. Yep. We had to we had to get a doctor to come to my room. I was on a uh, I think I had an IV drip. He gave me a a shot of B twelve mm. so I could get up I, to give me my energy back. A little steroid maybe. Yeah, he gave me some steroid. That's a nice little upper. Yeah, man. That's amazing. Do you know the story about Hitler and Mussolini? Nope. <laughs> What happened? Someone had steroids. Mussolini wanted out of World War II. Didn't uh -huh. want to progress. Was like, you know what? Hitler, God bless, do you. Maybe it's not for us Italians. Yeah. So Hitler goes, we got to fucking convince this guy. We need him. So he goes, and before he goes in, he notices. He's like, I'm tired. I'm lethargic. So his doctor says, I give you a little something. So he loads uh, Hitler's doctor. Oh, okay. Loads Hitler. He had an Italian doctor? <laughs> yeah, Mussolini's doctor, Josh. I got give me something. I give you, like, you want a little you want a little bit up? I got a little something. All right, I'll do his doctor's yeah. uh, uh accent. Okay. Uh, you want to get 
some energy. There, yes. That was so good. I hook you up. Yes, yes. <laughs> so he loads up a syringe with um, steroid and amphetamine, hits him. Hitler starts to feel incredible, goes, hit me again. And the doctor goes, no, you'll die. Yeah. That was enough. He goes, hit me again. Hits him again. He proceeds to talk to Mussolini for five hours straight without stopping, berating him about why he should stay in the war. And, well, he got what he wanted. Really? We all know how it ended. That's a true story. Yeah. What? Hitler was methed out to the gills. Yeah, man. That guy was insane. Yeah. But a lot of things were made because of him. (laughs) Right? Crazy, right? BMW. Volkswagen. (laughs) Silver lining. Silver lining. Right. (laughs) Evil man. So so what's the gestation period between when you finish the special and when Netflix says they want it? Okay, so... We we get we we both we all hug each other after that taping, because I knew I nailed it. I was like, "Oh, we got it, man! That's the one." And now we had to go home and cut it. So now we're, we're you literally, have to face it. Yeah, man. I had to literally. I was in the editing bay, so it was me, an editor, and I was literally from start to finish for almost four days. I think just cutting it and just piecing it together like a puzzle. And were there moments where you were like, I don't know if this is all going to fit together? Yeah. There was times where I'm like, that, that, like, there was one shot. I, re- I remember this one clearly um, where it shook. What? The, the camera shook. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and we couldn't use that shot. And I was so mad because it was the shot. It was the wide shot that I needed on that joke. Ugh. And we had to use a different shot. And I just, I just remember like, God damn it, that was the shot. You know what I mean? Like, is there any way we could use it? Can we manipulate it? Like, can we do something? I forgot what he was, I don't know what the guy said. Like, maybe I can compress it or something or, or use something to stabilize it or something. Yeah, like. you can do that. And it, it didn't work, man. It was just, it was just, you could tell there was a movement and it wasn't fluid. So we went to a wide shot. And then, like, all of a sudden I was like, I'm piecing this together myself. I just noticed like that needs to be wide. This needs to be here. Let's go to audience shot here. Let's go. Blah, blah, blah. I was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was, it was a hat. I never knew I had, but I knew that visually I knew how it needed to be seen. So I, I literally sat in there until it was done, like completely done. And then we submitted it and, uh, and literally we tried to get some bids on it and, uh, people were passing. And then uh, the people that didn't pass that we thought we were getting a lot of money for weren't given the money that we wanted. And I'm just like, shit, we just wanted a bid to yeah. go against Netflix. Mind you, Netflix already said no. Like, they already said no. Like, us shooting this was just us shooting this. They told us no. They don't want it. They said we don't want it. So anyways, we shoot it, and then we bring it to Netflix. My agent brings it, and we get a call that day <laughs> saying, don't, don't shop it around. We want it. Oh my! What yeah. what goes through your mind? In that oh, I, I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry so hard, man. I was like, "Yes, fuck, man." Just imagine twenty-seven years of people telling you no all the time. You know what I mean? From the improv days to the comedy store days to the Laugh Factory days to me doing it on my own to me going to Kinkos, and then finally someone saying, "Yeah, this needs to be. This needs to be on." 
You're enough, Joe. Yeah. You, you're yeah, enough. Yeah, we, we got it. We, we understand now. You are of value. Yeah. Yes. I cried, bro. Dude. I cried. And it took him six months to negotiate. I mean, that my friend tells this great story where, or it makes this joke where he's like, I had a buddy who climbed like Mount Everest. Yeah. And it was this incredible trek. And finally, when he got to the top and I asked him, and when you got to the top, was your dad's love there? <laughs> <laughs> so funny like but i get it like it, those are those everest moments yeah that you gotta understand too josh like stand-up comedy is such a dog world man yes and and you we need you know with acting you get it you know you get an acting job boom you get to put it on the screen you get to put it on tv that's your validation comedy bro that's all we got yeah is that special that hour special that's it nothing else nothing else you do i get a sitcom don't give a fuck it doesn't matter do you have an hour special you know what i mean and also it influences you kill it and all of a sudden you have triple the crowds coming to see you in every city yeah it changes your life they put me in the best spot and they, they love the special by the way and i'm not disrespecting netflix i say this all the time sure i i probably would have never performed the way i did if netflix said no you know what I mean? If they would have said yes, would it have been shot the same? Probably not. Because it would have been their money, their terms, their way. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm happy they said no. Because it, it, I got to wear the hats. Uh, there was this fire inside of me that, like, especially that, that last show, the second show, like, it was burning. Like, what the fuck, man? I got a crush right now. Or or I'm broke. You know what I mean? And then, uh, so I'm glad they said no. And- what was I getting in on this one? What was I saying on this? But that that it's the special is what justifies you as oh God, this sounds stupid. It, it that's that moment. As as a stand-up comic, we need that. We need our hour special. Yeah, it's an amalgamation of everything that you've worked on. Yes. Worked man. for. And especially, you know, I talk about my son all the time. And my son's, you know, in, in that special, my son I think was twelve or thirteen. He's twelve. So, like, it meant a lot to me. Like, I want my son to see this. You know, what? this is what your dad does. You know what I mean? From one, one through eight, he doesn't, he didn't get it. He didn't understand what I was doing. He, no matter how many times he explained it, no matter how many times I brought him to a club, he didn't get it. But when he hit 12, 13, 14, then he started getting it. It's like, oh, I get it. Now, 16? Now my son's like, what? Yeah. My dad's the shit. I'm not like other dad's son. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what? So what was it? What was it like being? Because I, I love the story you talk about. How I mean, you were supposed to be Chelsea Handler's sidekick, right? <laughs> yeah, I met Chelsea through God. You know everything about me. That's I crazy. do my research. I love that. Uh, John Lovitz introduced me to Chelsea. Ah, come over here. <laughs> yeah, he was like uh, he was doing stand up at the Laugh Factory, and I was working at Nordstrom Rack as a shoe salesman. Man, and that's a different crowd than a normal Nordstrom. Yeah, it's it's, always, it's, uh, it's in a it's lower bad. income area. It's it was off. It's right off the four or five in Sepulveda, going I've, towards LAX. I've been to that one. And uh, shoes on the floor. It was bad, and uh, I had to pick up those shoes and the sell shoe- those shoes. <laughs> you always know the store's a little, a little, you know, <laughs> lower income when the shoes are in a size section. Yeah. These are the 11s. Yeah. This is the 11 <laughs> section, black. Yeah. The active wear, 11s. Yes. Yeah. And then you see a heel over there, too. 
and John calls me, and uh, and I'm working at Nordstrom Rack, and he's like, I love your stand-up. I want you to go on the road with me. <laughs> and I'm like, of course. He's like, good. I'll let your manager know. And then next thing you know, I'm on the road with, with John Lovitz. It was like a dream come true. This is a guy I used to impersonate when I was in high school, and now I'm on opening for him. And, uh, and there was this show that we used to do every Wednesday at the Laugh Factory. It was John Lovett's night. And uh, one day he goes, I'm going to have this <laughs> I'm gonna have this female comic named Chelsea Handler open for us. She's so funny. She's my only friend on MySpace. <laughs> and I went to his MySpace and it was his only friend. That's it. It was her and Tom. <laughs> At least I Tom. still remember the picture because it's her wearing a pink dress with her. She's kind of like doing like a Marilyn Monroe thing. And I remember the picture clearly. Like it stood out like a sore thumb because I was like, he wasn't lying. Right. This is his only fucking friend. And it was Chelsea. And and I was like, who's this Chelsea chick? And then he started bringing her. She was killing. And uh, and then she, you know, because after I get off stage, she would go up first. I'll go up second. And then we'd sit next to each other and watch John. And then she's like, you're so funny. I got like uh, this show that I'm going to do and I want you to do it with me. I was like, yeah, let's do this shit. This is before Chelsea became who she was. She was just another comic. You know what I mean? But she had had the deal. To she do had them. a deal in place right. and then we were going to go, uh, you know, uh, like talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? She wanted me on it. No matter what, she wanted me to be her sidekick. And at that time, is she killing? She's just, you know, she's Chelsea. She, there was something about her. Right. It's she so wasn't true. killing. There's just something about her. She could deliver a shitty line, but you laugh because it's just the way she said it. Yeah. You're, people are so bought into her as just an entity. Yeah. Like, it she, really is. There's something, the way she says it makes it Chelsea. I'm very attracted to her, Joy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, she's very, uh, she is very, you draw into her. Yeah. There's people that try and pretend to be Chelsea. You know what I mean? There's there's people that that think it's a formula and it's but but Chelsea is really that formula. Whatever it is that she made, that formula, it it, it can only be done by her. Yes. You could try and drink the formula and be her. It's it just you can see the little bit of bullshit out of it. You know what I mean? Like I see a lot of people trying to do the formula and I'm like nah. Because when you see Chelsea do it, you're like, that's really her. That's her off the camera. That's her on the camera. That's her on the pod. That's her in the living room. That's just her. I fear that if I was around her too much, my feelings would get hurt. Yeah, (laughs) very much so. When I watch you on the show, and I think it's only because you were so damn funny and you you quickly became sort of like, I mean, you were. uh, Well, you know, I wasn't supposed to be on the show. Well, she was pissed at you. So, so I okay. So we start going to these meetings, right? We only had like two or three, and uh, and uh, and basically, she was like, "I want you to be my sidekick. I'll sit you on the road, or I'll sit you next to blah blah blah." And basically, like Chewy. Yeah. And then I, and then uh, but I was always like, "Yo, if I'm gonna be on TV, it's got to be me." Like I just felt like I'm talented. Like I need to be there. I want to be. I want to be Chelsea. Why can't it be the Joe Coy show? I, I didn't say that to her, but I didn't want to be a sidekick. And basically, I just said, you know, I have an opportunity to make a pilot, and I, and I, I, I want to pursue this pilot, and blah blah blah. And basically, I said no to her, and she cursed me out, man. I wish, I wish she would have left a voicemail. 
because uh, she cursed me out so hard. And what, what, what did it sound like? Give us. She the was just highlight. like, "Oh, are you? Is that all you're gonna fucking do? You don't know a good thing when you see it. You're gonna listen to your agents and your manager. They're they're gonna steer you in the wrong direction. You're just gonna be a fucking blah 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 and just plop, hangs up the fucking phone. On Jersey me. style. Yeah. Yeah. Straight and, New Jersey. Yeah, shit. it was. And uh, and she was right, by the way, <laughs> because that show blew up, and I was still working at Nordstrom Rack. And I remember watching it and just like, shit, I should have said yes. And uh, But next thing you know, about four months later, I get a phone call. And she wants me on the show. And I just got my teeth done. So I just got out of the hospital. And I, and I did my first show with her. I was all numb on the mouth, I think. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, and I remember I crushed. I crushed. And, uh, and she, was la- she was dying laughing. And then next thing you know, it was like, I get the call that she wants me on, like, all the time. You know what I mean? So it was, like, twice a month to four times a month. And then it was to the point where she wanted me to sit across from her. So I always sat at the end of the table, so we always saw eye to eye like this. And then the other two would sit in the middle. And it was just always her and I just going at it. People thought I was on the show. Like, people literally thought I was riding and on the staff. But it was just like, I only do it once a week every Tuesday. Yeah. So it was cool, man. It was it was really uh it was beautiful. She was literally like Johnny Carson of our time, because if you made it on her show, you made it on the road. Because my numbers went through the roof because of that show. I don't know anyone who's. I mean, granted, I haven't watched Spade's new new uh, show on Comedy Central, but it was just so brilliant because I have forever felt like all late night is too fucking long. Yeah. The one hour thing just doesn't work. But yeah. And the idea that it was like 15 minutes with like thoroughly funny people, like a murderer's row of comedians commenting about the ridiculousness of the day. Yeah. And then just going to like a 10 minute interview of something that she kind of didn't care about. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. And then you were done. And done. And you know, the show that you watched, this is a cool, did you ever go to a taping? No. This is the brilliance of Chelsea. But the 22 minutes or whatever it is that you see, or the 24 minutes that you see on TV, is literally what she did. No editing. There was none. Unreal. She was literally a fucking fireball. Like, she would literally run her her monologue, one take. Occasionally, it'll be messed up, and she'd be pissed. But she'd nail the monologue. She'd, we'd sit at the panel, knock two out, just like that, go to break. She'd go to interview, boom. She said goodnight. We were out of there. I Literally, I live, uh, well, the original studio was in, uh, you know, off of a... Uh, Universal, Olympic, right? Olympic, oh, okay. Olympic Boulevard, and you know, over there by uh, uh, the four hundred five and Olympic. That's where the original studio was, and then it moved to Universal Studios, which I live right above. It, I would literally drive on lot and drive out within an hour. We were in and out like that. That's I remember leaving my house five minutes before because it was so close. Driving on the lot, like what TV show does that? Like and, none. I just did. I did Spade, and we. Were, I was there for almost two hours. It's a great show. You know what I mean? I, I think all of it might be too much time investment. Like, it's crazy. It was crazy how how it became uh, a machine. Mm. And it, like for her, when she announced that she was going to leave, which she should have. I, I, I get it. Like you can only do something for so long. But I mean, she could have done that for almost 15 years. Did she could have retired with it. When she left? I was kind of prepared for it to, I, I was preparing for it three years before she decided to let it go, we saw it coming as the audience. Yeah, you I could tell I knew, she was a little over it. Yeah, I could, everyone could tell that she was kind of like throwing it in. 
and so especially everyone at Chelsea, but I was preparing for it. Like I was like changing my act up all the time and I was giving free merch out at the end of all my Sundays, like just like really like engaging with my audience and making sure that they would come back because yeah. I knew that this was the show that was promoting me on the road. So I was prepared. And uh, so when that show was done, I was like already moving on to the next thing. I was ready. Uh, but no one wants good things to end. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, it was sad. I, I remember the last show we went to it and I was just like, whoa, this is, this is a part of my life. It was seven years. I was like, whoa. Like I remember it was right here. Fire, Firefly. Is that what it's called? On Ventura? Oh, that restaurant. You know what I'm talking about, George right? George Clooney goes there. Yeah. The one with the, the, all the vine. You know what I mean? It just looks like a big bush, it's but it's a, a restaurant. It's like the cool restaurant in the valley. Yeah. The one cool one. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Ventura. called Firefly. Mm -hmm. That's where her and I's first meeting was about her show. That's wild. Yeah. Like, like that's where it, that's where it all started. Right there. At a table. In the corner. I know exactly the table. So, to like, I was there from, like, the, the beginning thought process to like it being her last show and and i remember looking at the the letters and just like wow these letters are gonna be gone now they're just gonna destroy these letters it's so sad yeah it is sad i remember when my show got canceled on fox and i was like but where's the set gonna go yeah do they what do they do with that make a museum That's no. <laughs> No. They, is there a graveyard? No, they kill it. <laughs> they burn my, it. My, 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 my logo behind me, I, I said the same thing. I'm like, it's $15,000. My money. My money. Yeah. My Can last special. Fold oh. it up. I'll take it to go. Yeah, please. Yeah. Can you break it into cubes? Please. Be like, my like Legos? <laughs> Adult Legos? Uh, my, my special coming in hot, it says Joe Coy on stage, right? Behind me. That cost me so much money. We had to ship it on a freight. Oh, man. And each one had its own box. To Hawaii. Like a coffin. Like each part of the letter had a box. It looked like a coffin. And it was shipped over on a shipping freight. And I remember at the end, when they were breaking it down, I was like, what are we going to do with those? And they're like, we're going to throw it away. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I couldn't believe it. And then this uh, lady from some community center goes, well, we could take those three letters and use it at the park. So they took the letters. So I donated the letters. Luckily, it was called Oko Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is the name of your park? It's a ridiculous name. It's called OK. <laughs> OK. OK, O Park. OK, O. Um, OK, last two questions because I, I don't want to keep you. Uh, first one, why did Bobby Lee yell at you in a parking lot twice? Oh, Bobby, you know what? I, I I do I do say this about Bob. You know, Bobby and I go way back. Before Mad TV, before anything. Um, he was my first show that, you know, that, that Filipino show that I said they said no to me, the that theater. He was, you know, I flew Bobby out. I met him at La Jolla Comedy Store years ago, twenty five years ago, whatever. Was he the same then that he well, is now? He's the same. Kook. Just out of his mind. Yeah, insanely he's, he's funny. brilliant though he's beautiful he, he's brilliant oh he's brilliant oh, I, and I, I love, love him, him so much and he has a huge heart and uh, and we always go back and forth but there was this one time we were pitching a show and mind you I was making so much damn money man when I was with Chelsea I was making I can't even tell you how much money it was ridiculous money on the road for a guy that had no TV show I had no TV show no nothing but yet I'm making 
I'm stacking, bro. Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you the amount of money I was making. Every weekend was ridiculous. And do they hand you cash at the end of the oh, night? Oh, check. Huge. I only take checks, and it was massive. Nice. Like, massive, bro. Not even including my merch. And, you know, I would play around with Bobby with that. You know what I mean? And it was, it was, it's a joke. You know what I mean? But uh, but Bobby was mad at me because I wasn't pursuing uh, – I was I was I was settling for the money. So basically not pursuing what I was born to do. And 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 I don't know how to explain it, but like it was it was a, it was an uplifting moment him yelling at me. We were pitching a show at MTV. And uh it was a show with him and I and we were in the uh in the car and uh I remember him saying something like, yo, you need to go out with more auditions, right? And then I, you know, just trying to be funny, like, what's a show going to, something to do with the money, right? right. Like, what, what is, like, what? Like, blah, 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 I make this much money on blah, blah, blah. And I was trying to be funny. I can't repeat it because I don't know how the situation went down, but I, I just remembered saying, like, the money and what's TV got that, I, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I know how it went down. It went down like this. Oh, shit. <laughs> Bobby. I make more on a Saturday than I'm gonna make in two episodes on a. Was oh, that what t- I said? Something like that. I think I did. It's gotta be right. It was. You're not wrong. It was. I had Delee on the pod, and he was straight up like, "It almost doesn't make sense." Yeah. 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 Sorry. No, <laughs> yeah. It, that's <laughs> that's exactly how it went down, and and Bobby fucking reamed me, and it was like it wasn't reamed like yelling, jealousy. It was reamed like, I care about you. And you need to fucking wake up because that's not what it's about. It's not about that. That's a beautiful bonus, but you were put on this earth for something else. And you're, and you're, you're fucking slacking. And, and, yo, he just laid into me. Like, you're not living up to your potential. There's so much more you can give, blah, blah, blah. And he left the car. And I remember I was like, wait, are we still joking? And I go, right. Bobby. I went like that because we got to go in. And he goes, no, nah, fuck you, man. And he was just walking. And I was like, and literally that was the moment where I was like, oh, I got to, I got to step it up. I get it. I totally get it. 100%. And he woke me up that day. I took acting serious. I, I took my audition serious. Because I used to go into auditions like, uh, say no, I don't give a fuck. You know <laughs> right. what I'm going to make on Friday? Like that was my mentality. But that's the wrong mentality. My mentality should be like, yo, I really want this and I, I can give you this. I, I know what you need. And he's right. So, uh, even though you always hear it's like it's when I stop caring, I'm like I don't want to hear this when I stop caring. Yeah, yeah, everything yeah. fell into place. Yeah, because I don't know how to not care. Yeah, like you kind of gotta care. You gotta care, but it's got to be in perspective. I'm glad he did it though. Yeah, because I never worked so much hard. I I tell him that I told him that on his pod. I go, bro, that that was that moment, man. Uh, you were that was my that Rudy moment. That 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 you know where the coach throws the, the chair on the ground and starts yelling at the team and. That was that moment. Like, Bobby woke me up, and I'm glad he did. I mean, But I get it, too. Like, when, you know, you got a stack of Gucci belts at home. Yeah, man. It's hard to go sing for your soup at a fucking audition. Yeah, man. Um, all right, Joe. That's funny you said Chris. I, t- I found Chris. Did he tell you this story or no? No. So I saw Chris at the Ha Ha Cafe. North Hollywood. In North Hollywood. And this is about, he was about three years in to stand up. And there was about, it was a Wednesday night and I just got off the road. I just got off the road and, uh, and you know, I met him through Jason Collins and, and, uh, 
and uh, and I met him. I met Chris through him. And Jason lives in Long Beach, so I call Chris. I go, "Where are you at?" And he says, "Oh, I'm at the Ha Ha." I go, "Okay, cool. I'll come. I'll come hang out with you at the Ha Ha." So I just got off the road, and I go to the Ha Ha, and I sit, and I'm sitting there. Nobody in the audience. About maybe six people. And he's crushing, like crushing. He's just sitting on the stool, and he's just doing his his shit. And he gets off stage, and I go, "You want to go on the road with me? Because you're amazing." He goes, yeah, I'd love it. Oh, yeah, I'd love it. <laughs> and I oh. take him on the road. I take him on the road for about over a year. And this cat, I mean, I'm taking him, you know, and I'm selling out, you know what I mean? So I got packed improvs and shit, and I'm putting this fucking thing in front of me. And he's crushing. Man, there was one night we were in uh, Miami. And if you crush in Miami, man, that's, you got it. You, you're good. Why Miami? It's a different demo, man. Like, yeah, it's I like I can't Europe. explain it. You know what I mean? And, and. It's it's something. It's Miami's not even America. Everybody's coked out. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah, everything. So many you know? Cubans. I don't think a lot of people should. They're not supposed to be there legally. No, but it's it's working. Yeah, it's your. It and feels they European. love to have fun. Yeah, and and I'm telling you, you make Miami laugh, or you sell a lot of tickets in Miami. You're doing something right. New York, Miami. I'm telling you, those those two markets. You nail those. You can nail anything else. And I remember. The improv, I used to fuck with Chris all the time, man. I'm telling you, I, I get in that fucker's head all the time. He'd crush in front of me, and he'd come through the, because the door was literally, the green room was right behind, was the stage. So when you leave the stage, you open the door, and you go into the green room. Like, I could see the crowd. So he would crush, he'd come through, and you could hear him cheering. I'm like, oh, that's great, man. I'm going to show you what, uh, I'm going to show you what greatness is. <laughs> Fuck. He would get so mad. Couldn't let him have like, it. Bro, come on, bro. There's time there was one time in Bray where he smashed it. It's like he was so happy. He's like, oh my God, dude, I killed it. I go, that was so good, Chris. I'm gonna make them forget your name now. <laughs> and walk out. And crush. You're a little serious about that. Yeah, man, because you gotta be. You gotta be serious. Like it that's what it is in stand-up. Like, yo, I didn't I don't take I don't take shit on the road. To make me look good, I bring I bring killers in front of me, like like you got to show the audience why you're a headliner, right? You know what I mean? I don't want I don't want some power puff up in front of me, setting it up for me. You know, oh, I'm setting these up because the guy behind me is gonna knock them all down. Well, you'll see. Like, no, nah, man, I want I want someone to knock them down, and then I got to go pick them back up, and then I got to knock them down. Right. That's that's what a headliner does. I learned that from Cedric the Entertainer. Did I tell you that? No. So I opened for Cedric the Entertainer. I smashed. And uh, I remember in my head, I'm like, oh, there ain't no way this fucker's going to follow that. There's no way. It was 3,000 people. It's out, it's out in like Pochanga or some shit. And I smashed, man. And I remember in my head, I was like, yo, there's no fucking way Cedric is going to follow that shit. I had people standing, cheering. And I looked to my left, and Cedric is standing there with this full-on suit. To head to toe, man. Fedora, three piece, uh, two piece suit, vest, everything, tie, and he's bouncing like a boxer in the corner. He's like, "That's what I'm saying, motherfucker. Make me work for this money, Joe Coy. That's what I'm saying." And he smacks my hand and he walks out onto the <laughs> stage, and I was like, "Did that just fucking happen?" Like I was blown by that. Like what? Like, did he just say, make me work for that shit? And I'm and I, I'm literally standing on the side of the stage watching him. And I'm telling you, maybe 40 seconds into his routine, 
they already forgot about me. Jeez. No one even remember what the fuck I did. I remember what, because I always carried uh, cards. I always had a stack of cards. And I remember running out at the end of the show after Cedric, trying to hand out, hand out cards. And it was literally me trying to force it, because I think everyone forgot that I was on stage. Not only did he crush, but he was up there for so long that no one even remember <laughs> yeah. he had an opener. They're like, who's this half Filipino dude who trying is, to hand me flyers? Motherfucker, what is this, a coupon? <laughs> Have you ever heard the Mitch Hedberg joke about flyers? Uh-uh. Flyers are like saying, here, you throw this away. <laughs> Hilarious. Ah. Uh, so true. The best. Um, it's a numbers thing with me. I, I'll hand out 10,000, but if one person takes one home, I won. That's how I look at it. It's. I remember I got on a flight once with Cedric the Entertainer, and he had a separate hat box yeah. that he put into the- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was. I said, "This. Well, I'm dealing with greatness here. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a He's Jedi who's great. powers I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I hear I hear Chris uh, does that to like Lenochi and, and all those guys. I, I hear he does it to them. The shit that I did to him, Yeah. I hear he does the same thing, and I love it. Because that's what you're supposed to do. And Lenochi's fucking great. You've seen him, right? His opener, he's fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. So you got to get in their heads, man. Like, that's that's kind of like our, that's our minor league. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you want to come up to the big leagues and you got to go through this shit. It's initiation. It's, you're the rookie. You know what I mean? Do it. Yeah, I mean, and you need, in any of these things, you need your fucking apostles. Yeah. Like, you need your guys who are going to yeah. teach you how to push. Yeah. Um, okay, last question, Joe yes. Coy. The the question I ask all people on this podcast: What are your one or two Joe Coy commandments? Truths that you have discovered that you'd want to impress upon someone else? Ooh, yeah, something that I want to give pay forward. Yeah, and just something that you, if you could only impress one thing on someone, you only had one moment with them, you'd give them this. All right, one. Uh, I don't like to say I wish, because I don't wish for anything. Um, I make it happen, if that makes sense. I don't. I wish this. Uh, oh, I wish I could have that special. No, I'm gonna make that special. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're gonna wish they got that special. That's how I look at it. So I don't like to wish. I like to dream, and I like to make that dream a reality. So that's my whole thing. Like, if there's something you want to do, man, just make it happen. Don't wish for it to happen. Don't hope for it to happen. Don't wait for someone else to make it happen. Just make it happen. You got two hands, and especially nowadays, we got so many tools. You know what I mean? You got you got phones that make flyers that can be handed out to a million people with a push of a button. You don't have to go to a parking lot and stick them in windshield wipers anymore. You can actually make a digital flyer and give it to a million people with the push of a button. So... You can make that happen. Just learn, figure out what it is you need to do, get inspired, and make it happen. But My, don't don't let that stop you from going to your local Kinkos because it's still a good time. Dude, I still do it. I do too. No, you don't. I go to Kinkos sometimes. I'll print out a photo and I'll put it in a frame, gift it to my mom. That's beautiful. Or an older person. That's usually. I still print flyers, man. Really? Yes. <laughs> really? I got Netflix flyers right now. No. I swear. Give me a couple. I'll give them out. Oh, Around my apartment building. <laughs> Hysterical. I really do, man. Oh, man. I make 10,000 of them. That's why you're doing it arenas. In a box like this. 10,000 flyers. People still, still love tangible shit, Josh. Yes. They, people still love it. That's why I came out with the album. Oh, yeah. You did a whole- I made an album. LP? Yes. Man. I love it. People still love it. People love tangible stuff. We're not completely di 
dis- disengaged. You know, what I mean, we're not we're, we're still humans, man. Yeah. I love it. Give me something. Give me something tangible. What is it? You know, I answer DMs. And, really? Uh, I answer DMs and I and uh, randomly. And I'll do it every night. Every night I do this. So when you guys hear this, this is a very true story. You'll see. And randomly, I'll pick a person. Like if you say the right thing to me or whatever it is, you know what I mean? I'll always go, what's your name and address and size? And then they'll give it to me. And then I send them something. And I literally do that. You can go through my phone right now. I'm not lying. Go through my phone. I have a guy. His name's Arthur. He owns Mailbox, et cetera, or whatever it's called on, on Witset. And he, he, he delivers all my stuff. So he has a stack of my shirts, a stack of my hoodies, a stack of my hats. And, and boom, I just send it to him. I take a screenshot of the address and I send it right to him and he, and he delivers it to him. Damn. Because I know it feels good. It feels good to receive something in the mail, open it and go, oh my God, that's so cool. Well, just know, guys, I, I don't return any DMs. So if you're going to DM a celebrity, DM Joe Cole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Dude, I love you. This is the best. Love you, man. Bye. That was it. That was Joe Coy. How good was that? Am I right? Come on. Guys, have a great week. Tell your loved ones that you love them. God damn it. Um, I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye.